0: How many of you ever watched Pinocchio? Oh, we have good time Okay, Okay. Early servant. Um All I remember, um, all I ever remember when I was young was whenever he would lie, his, his, his nose would grow, grow longer, right? Do you guys remember that part? Uh, it's an old classic, so some of the younger folks here may not have ever heard of this movie. Uh, but it's basically a story of a wooden puppet uh, named Pinocchio uh, who really, really wants to be a boy, A real boy and a blue fairy comes and brings him to life because his maker his his father right his maker's father always wanted a a son and this blue fairy tells Pinocchio he can become a real boy if he proves himself to be brave truthful and unselfish brave truthful and unselfish but as you can probably imagine um, he constantly disobeys his maker uh, his father and he finds himself led astray going down the wrong path Uh, By by multiple people in the movie, he's easily influenced by the wrong people. He gets taken, he gets kidnapped, and his maker, his father, goes out searching for him. and he And and his father, you know, goes goes into the sea, uh, but the father gets swallowed by a huge giant whale. And when Pinocchio finally finds his way home, he discovers his father had gone out searching for him. Right, so he goes out searching for his father, and he eventually makes his way out to the sea, but then he too gets swallowed by that same whale. Now, eventually, Pinocchio and his dad escape from the sea monster, but Pinocchio actually, uh, he actually dies in the process. But because of his brave, de- uh, his brave deed, the blue fairy, he revi- she, she revives Pinocchio and grants him his wish, and the blue fairy turns him into a real boy. And then, you know, it's happily ever after. Any of you guys remember the story? I had to refresh myself um, on the details because I watched this as a kid. So, so thank you, Disney+. Plus. Um, well, we're in the second series of a, in, in, in a message series in Jonah. Um, I think it will be four parts, but we'll see. And last month, we examined Jonah's disobedience. God, God calls Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh, which you can see in the upper right-hand corner. And Jonah instead tries to escape and heads for the opposite side of the world to a place called Tarshish. And the big thing we learn is that even though we might not be physically trying to hide or run from God, many of us, we do try to hide our sins as if we could run from God. But God sees all, and just like how God saw Jonah all along and sent this violent storm right to the ship, trying to refresh your memories, and the sailors try to make it back on their own strength, but they finally get desperate and they throw Jonah, uh, they give up and they throw Jonah and they throw them overboard. And immediately, the storm stops. So Jonah has been tossed overboard, and his fate is uncertain. And I think it's safe to say that he is certain that he is done, right, that he will die. Uh, This is it for him. So we will continue the story today and see what happens to Jonah. And today, we will read the most famous Part of the Jonah story that most of us have probably learned. Right? There are a handful of famous stories in the Bible that almost everyone knows. People who aren't Christian know these stories, right? Like Adam and Eve, right, the first humans on earth. Noah's Ark, how a, how a man built an ark to save his family and all the animals from a worldwide flood. Right? Daniel in the lion's den, how a man was lowered into a den of lions and survived. David and Goliath, how a small shepherd defeats a, a powerful opponent. And of course, there's, there's this Jesus guy, right, a, a man who walked the earth and, and had a lot of great teachings. And even people who aren't Christian know these people, know these stories. So today, we're going to talk about Jonah and the, and the whale. And you know, that's the most famous part, but for all that, the fish is only mentioned in three verses. In the entire book of Jonah, the fish is only mentioned in three verses. The fish is not the focal point of the book of Jonah. It may be the most famous part of this story, but it's not the main point. So I do want to get beyond the the tale of a whale. So let's dive into our passages passages today. We will begin in Jonah 117 if you want to grab your Bibles. Uh, But before we begin, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this season, we want to be thankful not only for the blessings you've bestowed upon us, our our family, our friends, maybe a job, career, relationships, but we want to be thankful for you sending your son to die for us on that cross. We ask for true transformation, Father, in our lives. We ask you to send the Spirit to us to convict our hearts, Father, to transform us into ever and ever increasing, increasing likeness to your Son, Jesus. In your son's most holy and precious name, amen. So we're going to begin in Jonah 1, 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So that's what happened to Jonah. He got swallowed up by a huge fish. Okay, so a lot of ink has been spilled over how this could have happened. Um, a large fish, a whale, a sea monster, a leviathan, who knows what it was. And if you were to ask most people, uh, churchgoers or not, what they most associate with Jonah, it would be the whale, and I get that. And of course, the fact that Jonah was swallowed by a huge fish, kept alive for three days in its stomach or its its gullet, I read a lot of scientific articles on this, Um, and then vomited out onto strange land, that's a pretty striking story, so I get that that would be the most memorable part of the story. When I read this, uh, again, uh, this past month, I was like, you know, what kind of fish was it? Right? Could the Mediterranean Sea have been home to such a large creature? He wasn't in the ocean. Right? How did he survive for three days in the digestive system of a fish? Um, I was thinking, how did he breathe? Right? You know, I have so many questions, but unfortunately for my own curiosity, uh, there are no answers. There's, there's few details provided. There's only two details. Right? It, was, it was a fish and it was huge. That's the only details we're given. And that's all we need. If you put yourself in Jonah's shoes, you've just been shoved off a ship expecting to die. And I think death by drowning is probably what Jonah was expecting. I mean, I was thinking, could Jonah even know? Could Jonah, could, could Jonah have even known what was happening at the time that it was happening? Does that make sense? You're drowning, and all of a sudden you're kind of covered up in, in slime, and it's dark. We could get hung up on the details, and as I said before, as I said before, a lot of ink has been spilled uh, on this. But if we accept that God could control the wind and the waves and send a violent storm upon the ship and then immediately dissipate it, if we can take the miracles of Jesus at face value, I think this story is not hard to believe, that it's not hard to believe that God was able to deliver Jonah from drowning in, in whatever way that uh, he chose to. So let's move on to the next chapter, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, uh, to to the Lord his God. So we don't know if Jonah remained conscious the entire time he was inside, but apparently he was alert enough to at least pray this prayer of thanksgiving. Um, And I I think at this point, Jonah understood, okay, I'm being kept alive because of God. Like, this is no accident, right? I think he realized, all right, this fish has not swallowed or killed me. I'm actually alive. This has to be from God. He's saving me. And so the majority of chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer. And we're going to take, um, we're going to take a deeper look into uh, his prayer. This is a Thanksgiving psalm. Uh, verse 2, he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You answered me, you listened to my cry. All right, sorry. Sorry. In verse three, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, "I have been banished from your sight; yet I will look again towards your holy temple." This is a—if you read this, this is pretty vivid. We don't know how long Jonah was flailing in the water, drowning, but enough that he could recount his traumatic experience. Right? He, he like remembers this, and you can see the text in green: into the depths, heart of the sea, currents swirling all around him, breakers all around him. It was a scary time. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. He was pretty freaked out, as I think all of us would be. In verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. I mean, look, the, the engulfing waters, the deep surrounded him, seaweed around his, his head. There's this physical sensation of being trapped. Right? He's down in the ocean. He's unable to breathe. There's water everywhere. And right now, we don't know how much time went by. We don't know how deep Jonah sank uh, below the surface when he was thrown from the ship and then when he was swallowed by the large fish. But if you look at the language, one thing we notice is Jonah has been going down this entire time. Like from the previous chapter, he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down below deck. And now he's going down into the very depths of the ocean the roots of the mountains, right? And that's a really good uh, description, right? The, the mountains, they come down, the roots of the mountain, right? And that's, that's where the, the bottom of the depths of the, of, of, of the sea. Sometimes our issues, our major flaws, aren't apparent to us when life is going well, when we are, when we are nicely self-sufficient. Sometimes we have to sink so low that we, beca- that we can begin to see it, that we can begin to see our flaws, just like Jonah today. If you, if you look at the biblical leaders, a lot of them went through failure and suffering be, before they became powerful leaders. Do you guys remember Abraham, Joseph, David, Peter? Each one of them, they were human just like us, but each one of them went through failure, failure and suffering. Most of us have probably had the same experience. Sometimes, sometimes it's only when we reach rock bottom when our lives are falling apart, when our schemes and resources are broken and gone, that we finally are open to God. And last message, I urged us all, let's not have to get to that point before we, before we reach out to God desperate. I spoke on this last time, and it's, it's happened to me. This is a common saying. I think we don't realize that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. We often don't realize that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have, when we are at the end of our rope. But when do we get to that point when we have nothing else to turn to, when we've like exhausted our own methods to get out of tricky situations, or get out of drama, or try to stop our own sin on our own strength? Then when we are broken, then maybe we are finally open to God. In Matthew 10.39, you may have heard about that book, Matthew. In Matthew 10.39, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Maybe that verse now makes more sense in this context. We need God regardless of how well or how badly our lives are going. But often it's, it's when our lives are badly going that we realize we need God that when we realize that we should have been relying on him the entire time. And now, and now uh, Jonah uh, talks about the rescue, the provision of God. Uh, continuing in verse 6, But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. I was dying, but I remembered you. I prayed to you, my Lord my God. God's presence was in the temple, right? And so Jonah's prayer reaches him. And even though Jonah is well aware of his disobedience, he still considers himself loyal to God. Isn't that amazing? Even though Jonah is well aware of his disobedience, he still considers himself loyal to God. And I think that's something a lot of us in this room can identify with. I think that's something a lot of us here can resonate with. That sometimes in our lives, we consider ourselves Christian even though we are well aware of our disobedience, even though we may be trying to hide our sins from God. When I, first, when I first began college, 1989, I joined two campus fellowships, and I was in multiple Bible studies a week. We met in different residence halls, different dorms across campus. I taught Sunday school at a local church. I read my Bible every day right before I did homework. Uh, I, had this, I had this routine. By the time I graduated college and when I began my first job, I had stopped going to church. I had few Christian friends. I was not part of a community of believers. And I had stopped reading the Bible. I got really lazy. It was really weird. And you... I, I knew that I still believed. Isn't that strange? I knew that I still believed, but I was not actively doing anything about my faith. A person looking at me would not have known that I was a Christian. I certainly didn't act like one. And every message I give on this, which is two, the more of myself I find in Jonah. And last message I spoke about how <laughs> As a kid, I used to look down on Jonah. because was like, silly prophet. How, how, what made you think you could run from God? I think many of us can fall into this today. Maybe you can resonate with what I'm saying right now. We make for those of us who consider ourselves believers, we may consider ourselves believers in all this Jesus Christ, all this church, all this religious stuff, you know, all this worship, even though we are well aware of our disobedience well aware of our sin. Just like Jonah. So I encourage you guys to, or, or, or encourage you all to, to kind of look upon, reflect on your life. As Jonah's life was ebbing away and he's, he was caught by the fish and now kept alive, he's had some time, I don't know how much, to recall his life right now. And he considers himself still loyal even though he well aware knew what he was doing. He bought a ticket In Joppa, he headed for Tarshish, the opposite direction. In verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. He's equating worshiping idols as turning away from God's love. You worship idols, you're turning away from God's love. Worthless idols. In Hebrew, worthless idols literally means empty nothings. Empty nothings. You're worshiping empty nothings. Worshiping idols is dangerous for many reasons, but the biggest one is idols cannot save. Only the Lord God can save. Only God can save. How foolish are those who seek life, help in life through empty nothings. Jonah could have named any sin, right? Murder is a bad thing you're turning away God's love. Stealing is a bad thing. You're, 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 you know, you're turning away God's love. But he specifically called out idolatry. He's specifically calling people out who break the first and second commandments. No other gods before me and don't worship idols and, and graven images. But no other god, gods before me don't worship idols. And I think this is a callback to the previous chapter where all the sailors are calling out to their gods. Remember this? Uh, I don't have it up, but I'll, I'll read it. Jonah 1.5, If you if you did open your Bibles, Jonah 1.5. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god. Right? They're all they're all. It's, it's like a shotgun. They're gonna, maybe it's this god who's upset with us. This god who's upset. Maybe it's this goddess. We're just going to try to. Now I, I know he's talking about those little pagan those little idols that the pagans worship, and I get that. You know, l- little stone or ivory statues or, or whatnot. People who worship them forfeit the grace of God. Today, we probably don't worship little little ivory jade statues. But we are not off the hook. Back then, people believed that there was a God for everything. A God for this, a God for that. There was a God for every profession. There was a God for every place. There was a God for every... There was actually a God for every race. Maybe we would have an Asian God. The Roman God was Mercury, the God of commerce. And to be successful in business... We should burn animal sacrifices to Mercury. That's how we should be successful in business. None of us in this room probably do this. But all of us in this room know that money, finances, uh, profit, wealth can become a God that we worship. And even Jesus spoke, we cannot serve two masters, either God or money. And that's a separate sermon by itself. Venus was the God of beauty. Also, probably, hopefully, none of you worship Venus today. But many people in society today, both men and women, both boys and girls, are obsessed with body image. Just look at the news, just look at the pornography industry, just look at social media, just look how many likes pictures and videos get when, when the, the sexier they are. I've said before, I think entertainment is one of our biggest idols today, whether it's sports, or binging television shows, or watching movies, or endlessly scrolling through social media. You guys do this? Is it just me? Video games? Entertainment is one of our biggest idols today, and Jonah calls that out. It's a warning for, people. It's a warning for the people in that era, and a warning for us today. In verse 9, finally we have the ending vow, this ending promise. Jonah makes this promise, this oath to God. But I with shoutful i am sorry. But I with shouts of grateful praise will worship. To, well, well. Let me start over. But I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. It's easy to see that Jonah was grateful for the mercy that God showed Jonah. He was alive, even though he didn't deserve to be. He hadn't drowned, even though punishment is what, that punishment is what he deserved. And it ends with a climactic shout. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is one of the most sensual verses in the Bible. Right here. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is one of the most sensual verses in the Bible. And it's like tucked away here in the little book of Jonah at the end of his prayer of Thanksgiving. Salvation comes from God and God alone. No one else. We are saved 100% by God. It isn't God saving us 50% and and we saving ourselves 50%. God saves us 100%. And God saves us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We cannot, we do not and cannot save ourselves. That's the gospel. And in verse 9, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That fish, that huge fish, it bookends our passage today, Right? We began with the fish swallowing Jonah in the sea, and we end today with the fish vomiting Jonah out into the dry land. And so while Jonah had been thinking and maybe freaking out a little bit and praying and, I think, sleeping, the fish had been swimming. And after three days, the fish vomits Jonah out. So what of all this, this in-death look? At Jonah's prayer. There's two things we can learn today. Thanksgiving and transformation. And these are the two things I want us to take from his passage. First, Thanksgiving. And, you know, it is the season. But Jonah's prayer can be a model for us today. I urge all, all of us to pray, to pray a prayer of Thanksgiving. You can use this structure or not, whatever. You know, when you're down in the dumps, whether you're down in the dumps or life is going great. Pray a prayer of thanksgiving, of how God has delivered you. We always pray for, like, thanks for the things I have in my life or, you know, my family or stuff. But how about praying to him for sending his son to die for us? How about praying for those kind of blessings? Not the physical ones that we always see that we can touch. It took Jonah to be, I I said this earlier, it took Jonah to be in the depths, quite literally in the depths, before he remembered God and all his sovereignty. He probably wished he had remembered God before, uh, when he was on his way to Joppa to try to escape, right? He probably wished he remembered God before he bought a ticket on his way to Tarshish. I think we don't often take time to thank God for what we have. We take things for granted. So this week, and I've kind of been doing this 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 past week, because I was researching, I urge all of you to model this Thanksgiving prayer. Most of us pray, you know, a few things during grace, uh, for grace, uh, for meals. Make it intentional, the Psalm of Thanksgiving. And secondly, transformation. Be transformed in our lives. Be transformed in our lives. Back to Pinocchio. You know, ultimately, Pinocchio is a story of a wooden puppet who's, who's recreated, right, into a real boy. And only after a death-like experience in the whale, Pinocchio finally proved himself brave by going into the sea and searching for his, for his maker, his father. We'll call him his father. And so his wish to become a real boy is granted. And it's his experience within the belly of a great fish that transforms Pinocchio from a wooden puppet into a real boy. Both Jonah and Pinocchio, they had to go into the belly of a fish. They had to sink so low before the transformation. Salvation comes from the Lord. Have you ever been in the belly of the beast? Are you now? Were you transformed like Jonah was, at least in the moment? Because if we have not been transformed, and especially if we are still worshiping idols, what does that say about our faith? At the end of our lives, what will that gain us? Jonah thought that he was at the end of his life, right? He, he, he did. And then he started to see things as they really mattered. Have you been transformed by your faith, like Jonah today? Like Pinocchio, who learned not to be selfish. Because salvation comes from the Lord. We're all, we're, we're all supposed to be transformed. I'm only going to pull two verses. There's multiple verses in the Bible. In Romans 12:2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to be transformed in how we think about things, not as the world thinks about things and, and the world's, um, you know, the, their standard of morals, their standard of ethics, but, but from the point of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I teach Sunday school for the youth uh, every Sunday. Two Sundays of school, I taught them that we are in the process of sanctification, which is a fancy word that just means becoming more and more Christ-like being transformed into his image. Pinocchio was transformed during his experience in the great fish. Jonah was transformed during his experience in the huge fish. And so I want to challenge our thinking today. The real deliverance isn't the release from the belly of the fish. The real deliverance is when Jonah came back from God, came back to God, when God restored that relationship. That's the real deliverance. Back to Matthew. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to Matthew. Uh, Matthew twelve forty. Jesus himself references Jonah. Uh, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. He's talking about himself, greater than Jonah. There are parallels between Jesus and Jonah. Both experiences are three days. On the cross, Jesus restates that suffering. In the Christian words, it recapitulates, but he restates that suffering of Jonah. His is infinitely greater, but it's, it's analogous. Jonah went into the depths of the sea to save the sailors, which he did. Jesus went down to the depths of death to save humanity. You see that. Heart of the earth. Today's passage is in a way the happiest part of the book of Jonah so so far. If we only consider what we read so far, and I'm glad I'm going on this journey with you guys. There's rescue and thanksgiving. There's miracle and praise. This ends on a happy note. Jonah tried to get away from God, and he failed. He thought he was going to die but he survived. He was in in an impossible situation, but he was rescued in an amazing way. Jonah could run from God, but he could not outrun God. Even in the slimy belly of a fish somewhere in the middle of the sea, Jonah could not escape God's grace and mercy. Jonah's actions led him to a place of desperation, but God was still pursuing him. So I want to tell you today, whatever your issues right now, Whatever you're going through in your family right now, God solves it with grace. God solves it with grace. He wants all of us to come to repentance, including me, including you. So maybe you're living right now with some sort of regret in the past, or maybe you're living right now with some sense of failure. Maybe you're in the middle of being disobedient right now, just like Jonah, just like all of us. It doesn't matter. You could right now be a hundred times worse than you are right now. It would not matter. Your luggage, your, your sins, your disobedience, your issues, they are no match for God's grace. They're no match for God's mercy. Thanksgiving and transformation. I believe this. Thanksgiving and transformation. You know, we're at the end of our passage today. And... Jonah is suddenly thrown up onto the beach. He finds himself back out in the open on dry land. In all likelihood, he's probably back in Palestine where he has tried to flee. So, you know, I was reading this, I'm like, if I end here, we've learned our lesson, right? Right? Huge waves, crazy sea, storm, inside a great fish. You, prayed, you just prayed an amazing prayer of thanksgiving. You made this vow To God you acknowledge salvation comes from the Lord and now you're vomited back onto dry land. You're safe and sound, right? You're not like dark and slimy belly. All good now, right? We've learned our lesson, right, Jonah? Jonah is on the path of the straight and narrow now, right? I'm I'm sure of it. I mean, what happens to Jonah now? What will he do now? Presumably he's going to He's got to fulfill the original calling, right? You know, the disobedience, I want you in this city, but no, I'm going to go over this city. That has to be Jonah's chance at redemption, right? A story with a good ending. Live happily ever after, just like Pinocchio. So, what will Jonah do as a result of his experiences? Stick around to next month, and we will find out together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son to die for this, die for us on that cross. Without whom we could not have, we cannot receive that eternal inheritance, Father. The kingdom of heaven. Today, Father, I, I know you sent Jonah into a dark place. It was crazy. No one would think that you would send a fish to, to catch him, swallow him, and store him. It is amazing, Father how He reached in that dark place. He, he reached up to you and He thanked you he, and He still acknowledged you as His Lord and Savior. Father, I, I pray that You would send the Spirit to convict us, to convict our hearts, for us to repent and turn away toward our idols and to turn toward You, Father. In our process of sanctification, Father, I pray that you would continually transform us, Father, into ever and ever increasing increasing likeness to your Son until that one day that you receive us in glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.